Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I wanted to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast. We are so excited that you have chosen to listen and join with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. And we know that God is doing amazing things in our community, and I am blown away at how many people have told me that Renaissance has provided a place for them to rediscover Jesus. It's given them a caring church family to be a part of, and has helped to transform their lives. If you're one of the men and women who have been encouraged, helped, and strengthened because of what's happening here at Renaissance, then I'd like to ask you to become an investor in what God is doing in our city. And here's one way that you can do that. Go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them. Enjoy the podcast and thank you so much for being a part of this community. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? Good? It's great to see some familiar faces and even some new faces. I won't point you out because you already feel weird in the room. So that's awesome. Well, my name is Jeff, and I'm one of the leaders here at the church. It's so great to see all of you. Uh, Most weeks at this point, I would point your attention or ask you to take your attention to the Bible where I would point to a passage in the Bible. Say, hey, you know, 1 Corinthians, we're going to read some of this passage today. But I don't have one specific passage out of the Bible today. I actually have quite a few passages out of the Bible. Um, So it'll more be like I'll give you an address to a passage in the Bible, and then it's a race to see who can get there first. Who wants to play? Anyone? You can show all of your neighbors in the seats next to you how much more holy you are than them if you get there first. It's a joke. I'm kidding, obviously. Um, I would say this. If you don't own a Bible, there is a hardback black Bible underneath the seat around you. And you take that home with you. That's a gift to you. You put your name in it and and have it matter to you. Um, otherwise, we're going to put all of the verses up on the screens today so you guys can just relax today and just sit back and then just enjoy. Just follow along as best you can. Um, many of you know this, um, but for those of you that don't, my wife, uh, who's not here so I can talk about her for the record, <laughs> uh, but she says these words to friends of hers when she speaks about me. She says this, my husband used to be a musician. I'm like, what? (laughs) I am a musician. I just don't play guitar very much anymore. But I used to be in the worship band at the old church I used to serve at. And when Renaissance first started, I used to be in the worship band here as well. But a couple years ago, they kicked me out of the band. Hallelujah, right? For that. So I don't get to come to band rehearsals anymore. But a few months ago, I decided to just show up one day. I am the senior pastor. I should be able to do that if I choose, right? But I came to Thursday night rehearsals and began to just talk with the band a few months ago, just kind of where I'm headed on Sunday. I'm like, hey, band, this is what I'm thinking. I have this passage in the Bible. I think I want to talk about this. I want to point to this particular issue. I just give them sort of the meta narrative, the great grand theme of what I want to talk about. And I share with them for a couple reasons. Number one, I want to see if they get it. And if they don't get it, it's not their fault. It's because I'm not communicating it well. And so if they give me that glossed over look, kind of like you guys are doing to me now, I understand that. If they're giving me that look or if they're pushing back on, on things like, well, Jeff, I don't know if that's what that verse means that you're using right there. And I'm like, oh, really? Why do you say that? And then we'll have a conversation. Or I think, I think maybe here's another verse that you would support that even better. And so we have this sort of push-pull. And I do that because my, my greatest desire is to communicate to all of you something that I've learned from Scripture that would be helpful to you. I mean, otherwise, I'm just up here talking. Yes, yes, I, wanna, I want the Bible to be helpful to us. 
And so they'll push back a little bit. I'll take that back into my office. And all day Friday, I just sort of reorganize things so that when I get here on Sunday, hopefully it's in a a better um, order of things. Anyway, so you guys can understand it better. But one of the other things that I love to do with the worship team and the band is to remind them that it is not just me who are leading people into an understanding of who God is, but I believe they're leaders too. And some people are like, but I just want to play guitar in the band. I don't want to lead people into worship. And I'm like, well, then, then it doesn't work for you here. Because these people on this platform, they're leading others into worship. And one of the things that I love to remind them is that you cannot take people to a place that you've never been before. So if they're going to lead us into worship, then, oh, they should be worshiping during the week, yes? And all of a sudden, I just remind them that we as leaders in the church are serving the body of Christ, the church that God calls together and calls together and calls renaissance. We are serving you. Every week for seven years, I've stood on this stage and said, hey, welcome. My name is Jeff. What do I say? I am one of the leaders here. Do you know I do that on purpose? I do it on purpose, and I do it for this reason. I want you to know I'm not the only leader in this church. The band are leaders in this church. They lead us into worship. The people greeting at the doors are leaders, and they're going, what? Yes, they're leaders. They're presenting Jesus Christ and his acceptance to all people as they open the door and say, welcome. How are you? Nice to see you again. Been here before? On and on it goes. And you think that's not a difficult thing to do, to just open the door for people and smile and just feign some sort of happiness as people walk through for 15 seconds. It doesn't seem that difficult to do, especially if they're all strangers. I can be nice to a stranger for 15 seconds, but wait till that guy comes in that you work with. Oh, or that person that you know, you're angry with or frustrated with and they come walking towards you and you have to smile for 15 seconds and all of a sudden Jesus goes, do you mean this? Do you mean this? And you have to like, you have, you're challenged by this. All the leaders we have next door in our kids area, over 200 kids will be meeting over there this morning. We have tons of leaders over there helping them. And I want you to know, we do not train our leaders to teach a kids version or a Nick Jr. version of God and or the Holy Spirit over there. They get the real Jesus, the real Holy Spirit over there. But there are leaders in that. And sometimes when I come back to the band and remind them of that, a settledness comes in them. It is more than just playing music. Is that what you're saying, Jess? Or Jeff? My name's Jeff. (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) Yes, that's what I'm saying. It is much more than just playing guitar. I'll, I'll go one step further. I think for some of you sitting in this room, it is much more than you just sitting in this room today. I'll push it onto you. I think God has something in store for each person here, and yet you think you're just here to sit in a seat. And I think you'll be mistaken if that's all you expect. When I sat with a band this past week, I asked them a question. And I'm going to ask you the same question, but I'm asking it to you rhetorically. So don't shout out your answers to me because that would be strange and weird. But I want you to think of someone who's... who's um, who's really important to you. Can you think of someone really important to you? And I want you to think of someone who's alive, not someone like a grandma or grandpa who was incredibly wise and spoken to your life but is now gone. Someone who's alive. You have this person in your mind? Okay, now I want you to consider this. When's the last time that person talked to you? This very important person 
who speaks into your life a lot, when's the last time they spoke to you? All right, and here's the question I want to ask. Um, what did they say to you? What did they say? All right, you've got all that running through your mind now? You got the person? Is it grandma? Is it your spouse? Is it me? Is it me? <laughs> and then here's, here's the follow-up. When's the last time God spoke to you? Hmm. Everybody's eyeballs are turning up, searching the recesses of our memory. And, and then how about this one? And what was the last thing he said to you? Do you remember that? One of the things that we've been talking about these last few weeks is this idea of maturing or growing into the things of God. The Bible says this, that we are born again when we come to faith in Jesus. And just like having been born the first time, when we're born again, we're, we're babies. We're, we're infants into the understandings and the nature of who God is. And so we mature, we grow. The, the church word for this or the theological concept is this idea of sanctification, that we grow and mature into these things. And we, we should, hear me, I said this to a friend of mine this last week. Our theology about who God is should be changing, yes? People get nervous when I say that, but I hear me when uh, my heart says this. If you say you've got God figured out right now and, and everything that you think you need, you, you need to know about him, and in 20 years you won't know anything more about him, oh, how prideful are you? Our theology, yes, our understanding of who God is, is changing. We believe that. The more we learn about him, the more we understand about him, we grow into those things. Um, the Bible uses language like this. Like if we are a tree planted in the will of God, in Christ, if you will, then our tree of life will begin to bear fruit. That's the language I think that the Apostle Paul uses. And this fruit in our life could be many different things. And this fruit in our life is not just for us. Did you know that? But it's for other people. I want you to consider the fruit of, of peace in your life. I mean, if we grow into the things of God and we hear the words of Jesus say, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Right? And talks about how God cares for birds and how God cares for other things. And he cares for us even more than that. That we shouldn't be anxious about anything. Then there should be this fruit of peace in our lives. And that peace should actually help other people too. So I have a friend of mine. This last week we were talking and he said these words. He said, um, my wife came to me last week and she just wondered why I never get freaked out about stuff. Like she's losing her ever-loving mind. His words, not mine. He's, she's freaking out about whatever's going on at home. And he's just like even keeled straight down the road. Doesn't even matter. And she says, why don't you ever get frustrated? Why don't you ever get anxious? Why don't you ever get nervous? Like why aren't you losing your mind over this situation too? And he's got this sort of this fruit of peace in his life that he holds on to. And he uses it in his family. His children see that dad never freaks out like mom does. We pray for her, by the way, right? <laughs> well, there's this peace that's not just for ourselves, but it's for other people. Last week, we talked about this, this fruit of obedience, that God would call us to be obedient to him. 
That when he speaks to us, that we should not worry about the details of what he's asked us to do or told us to do, and not even worry about the outcome of what he's asked us to do or told us to do, but to just be obedient to that which he has said. And after I preached that last week, it dawns on me, we probably need to have a discussion on how to hear from God. Yes? And so that is the work that lays before us today. I'm of the persuasion that God speaks to his people, that God speaks to us. Any other people believe that? Well, for those of you that don't believe that, I hope to change your mind today. And I hope to do so by pointing to the scriptures. The Bible tells us that, I think it is, again, it's the Apostle Paul. He says that we are sons and daughters to God the Father. Have you heard that language before? And the Bible elsewhere teaches us that God as a father is not just any father, but is a loving father. In fact, we sing sing songs about God who is a loving father. Now, this picture of relationship that God through his Holy Spirit has given us in the Bible is between a father and a son and a daughter. I want you to understand that there would not be a loving father on this planet if he did not talk to his children. Yes? You don't believe me? (laughs) I have another one. We, the church, not the building, the people, we are called the bride of Christ, which makes us men feel some way about it. I'm just saying, (laughs) right? That's a weird thing for us as men to be the bride of anything. But it's the language the Bible uses. And the bride or the beloved of Christ, where Christ is the bridegroom, the picture is this, is there's an intimate relationship. I would argue the most intimate relationships that a person or two people can have on this earth is between a husband and a wife. And if he's calling us the bride and he's the bridegroom, there is no intimate relationship if the bride and the groom never talk to each other, if the husband and the wife never talk to each other. Would you agree? God does talk. I believe that. Here's the the question that may be before us. Is how do we hear his voice? Like how can we labor into his voice? Because I believe we can do that. And then secondarily, when we hear a voice, we have to be able to discern or understand, is this God's voice speaking to me? Is this just myself speaking to me, right? Is this just my ego? Because I have a very large one for the record. Or is this, and I'll go one step further, is this something altogether supernatural, maybe diabolical or even demonic speaking to me? Because we all have to agree that there are voices in this world speaking to us, and some of them are not God's, yes? So if God's speaking to us, how can we know it's God's voice versus something else altogether? And that's what I want to do for us. So can we pray? Let's bow our heads. God, thank you for everything that you have done for us through Jesus Christ. We thank you that um, Jesus has restored a relationship with you. We, we come to you not in our own name or our own power or authority, but in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jesus, that you have given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually indwells us, is in this room. The Spirit of God is here, and he can help us um, Open our eyes to see or open our ears as we talk about hearing to hear the words of God. Holy Spirit, come and help us to understand these things. God, we thank you for our time together. Thank you for those people that you've assembled today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, one other thing. God, 
I don't know who it was in antiquity who thought it a good idea to take the flavors of pumpkin and add them to spice. (laughs) To put that in hot coffee with steamed milk and make this holy of all drinks, the pumpkin spice latte. But God, we don't know who that was, but God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Ha! I was in Springfield yesterday watching way too much volleyball with my daughter, right? And at 6 o'clock, we got there about 8.30. By 6 p.m., I told my wife, I'm leaving, and you got to get a ride home. (laughs) I'm just like, I cannot stay another minute. So on my way out of Springfield, I swing through Starbucks and got a pumpkin spice latte, my first of the season, and I'm driving home just worshiping the Lord, thanking him <laughs> for, like, you are alive, aren't you? I, get, I know now. I didn't know before, but now I know. <laughs> Have you ever heard of systematic theology? Theology would just be the knowledge of or the study of God. And theology, as I've already been talking about, the theological concepts of knowing who God is, is over here. Systematic theology is just a way to understand and to know who God is. Systematic just means we take the scriptures and we pull all of the the scriptures about a particular subject, for example, we systematize them all, and we understand God through all of those passages about a particular topic. For example, Angels. Anyone here ever hear of angels? Yes, right? And we don't take our understanding of angels from the culture around us, right? Otherwise, we would just know our angels by touched by an angel television shows or, or other types of things. In fact, there's a, there's a very wrong theology that some people will preach or you'll hear at funerals even that the person, the beloved who has passed on is now gone to heaven and has got his wings. That's not even in the Bible. Hear me. We do not get wings. We do not become angels. And so if we wanted to study angels, the the theological idea of angels, systematically, all we would do is take the scripture and we would go through it from cover to cover looking for scriptures about angels. Now hear me. There are 66 books in this Bible and not one of these books tells us everything we need to know about angels. So we have to go through the first book in Genesis, and we see this guy Abraham, and he has an encounter with an angel. We take that verse, we stick it over here, and we go all the way through the Bible to Revelation. And at the end of all of that, we have this sort of systematized idea of what angels look like. Here's what we know about angels. They're created by God. God created them. They're ancient. Did you know that? They've been around here a lot longer than us. They're powerful. And on and on it goes. And the same could be true about systematic theology, about God speaking to us. If we want to have a a theology of God speaking or us listening to God, all we need to do is just open the Bible and look at the verses therein. So I took like five. I have five verses or passages from the Bible that I want to share with you. And the first one is on the page, sorry, the first page in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, literally the first page. Joe and I were talking between services. There's something called the, um, the importance of first mention that usually lays heavily into theological studies. The first mention that God gives us about who he is and his character sounds something like this. Starting in verse 1, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. 
And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And here we go. Third verse in, guys. And this is how God wants us to see him. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. The first thing we understand about a God who speaks is that he's not just talking to people, but he speaks to the creation that he's created. And in this particular instance, he speaks to something unique. He speaks to darkness. And he says, let there be light. And when light comes into the dark place, just so you know how this works, wherever there is light, there is not what? Darkness. So when we begin to understand who God is, know this. He is a God who speaks, has spoken, and I believe continues to speak into those things that are dark in our lives. And by dark in our lives, what do I mean by that specifically? I mean, there are sinful things in our life. There are things in our lives that are not um, akin to God or like God. In fact, they're the antithesis of who God is. Those dark things in our life, I believe God still speaks to today. And when he speaks to those things, the darkness moves out of the way. In the book of Revelation, I'm off my notes, this is fine, <laughs> just riffing right now. <laughs> but in the book of Revelation, it talks about there being no sun or moon in the new heaven and new earth. But the light comes from where? Jesus. He's like an incandescent LED. I have no idea what's, or what, if that's a thing. He's just a light. And when God speaks light into the dark things of our life, I promise you it sounds like Jesus. He speaks Jesus into the dark areas of our life. Just so you know, there are hundreds of verses that talk about God speaking. That's verse three of chapter one. And we'll flip the page. Flip the page, Genesis chapter three. God creates in chapter one and chapter two, everything. He speaks this into existence. He speaks mountains into existence. He speaks rivers and waters into existence and animals and plants. He forms man out of the dust of the earth. He leaves them in the garden. He has relationship with man, Adam and Eve. And he tells them, you can do whatever you want in the garden. Just don't eat from this one tree. And what do Adam and Eve do? They do what you and I do. We disobey, right? And they disobeyed God and they sinned against God. The Bible tells us that sin entered humanity at this point and when Jesus comes into the garden, this is where we pick up the story. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Adam and Eve are hiding, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, and he said to him, where are you? God who speaks, speaks to sinful people. God speaks to sinful people. Do you hear that? There's this idea sometimes in some religious circles that God only speaks to the holy and the righteous. And I know, I know how some of that is supported in Scripture. John's Gospel tells us that that God does not hear the prayers of the wicked. I mean, I understand where some of that's coming from, but I'm telling you right here in Genesis chapter three, we see the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, sinning against God. They have sinned, they've been separated from God and God comes looking for them and speaks to them. He says these words, where are you? Almost to be followed up with, what have you done? They had covered themselves in fig leaves. You guys know the story? This feels weird right up here. <laughs> I don't know why I need fig leaves up here, but I'm old now. 
Sorry. That was weird. <laughs> They're covered in fig leaves. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why I did that. Uh, um, and, and God says these words. He says, that, that'll never do. That'll never work for you. Your willingness to cover your sin, noble as it is, won't work. Your desire to hide from me and to cover your nakedness that you now sense in your own lives, your desire to try to fix things before I come back and see you again, your willingness to do that is noble and wonderful, but it will not work for you. God takes the animal skins, the first leather pantsuit we see in all of Scripture, and he, he dresses Adam and Eve in the skin of animals, which really points to something else altogether. We don't have time to go into it. It speaks of a sacrifice that was necessary, that an animal must die to atone for the sins of Adam and Eve, which points us to Jesus, who was willing to give us her life, get his life to atone for our sins. But God speaks to sinful people. And when he speaks, it sounds like Jesus. He speaks the words of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, the willingness of Jesus to accept them back. We fast forward out of the garden. The people of God grow into this mighty nation called Israel. Israel finds itself embattled in, into a slavery situation in a country called Egypt. They've just been tortured and abused and beat up. It, the Bible tells us that at one point, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, orders the execution of all of the young boys, all the babies, the baby boys, and all of the nation of Egypt to the Israelites. He says, all the Israelite boys must be put to death. And there's a, a boy that's rescued out of that. His name is Moses. Have you heard of Moses. Moses is the guy that will one day climb a mountain called Sinai and give us 10 commandments from God. One of those commandments sounds something like this, thou shalt not kill. Have you heard that one? The problem is this, before Moses eventually climbs that mountain to get those commandments that says they, thou shalt not kill, Moses had in fact killed someone. Ladies and gentlemen, the first church hypocrite, right? Don't kill, but I've killed people. But Moses killed an Egyptian because he was beating a fellow Israelite and he was protecting him. And he buried the, the Egyptian man that he killed in the sand and fled for his life out into the desert, left all of his people and everything he knew behind. He's out wandering in the desert, starting a new life, always wondering, I wonder if they'll ever catch me. I wonder if they'll ever, ever find me and, and seek justice for the murder that I've committed. He's out shepherding sheep or something out in the desert one day when he just, on any ordinary day, he walks by in any ordinary bush and he notices this bush is on fire yet not being consumed. You know the bush I speak of. And when he sees this burning bush, Moses, the murderer, walks over to it and he sees this take place. Starting in verse eight, Moses heard the sound of the, oh, wrong passage, sorry. Flip your page, Jeff. <laughs> the bush is speaking. It's the Lord. Spoiler alert. And he says, verse 7, Then the Lord said to Moses, I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, task the Egyptians. I know their sufferings, he says. 
scan the, the newspaper or the news feed on your phone and you'll see the violence and the cruelty that goes around the globe even today. And, and I know that God sees it. He hears of it. He knows of it. He saw the cruelty that was levied against his people here. And he's telling Moses that. I see it. I know what's happening. It hasn't escaped my purview. And he goes down verse 10. He says, come, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you could bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I'm going to send you to help them. I'm going to send you, the murderer, to help them. If anyone ever needs to hear a story of second chances, it's this one. Some of us have done the most horrendous things and oftentimes consider, well, God could never use you. God could never use me. I think he can, and I think he does. I think he wants to, and he says so to Moses. I know what's happening, and I have a solution. You ready for this? I'm sending you. I'm going to use you to liberate people. I'm going to use you to help other people. Again, all of that's a picture of who? Jesus, who one day comes to liberate all of humanity out of the clutches and the bondages of sin. And so when you and I want to help people, when God sends us to help people, what do we do? We give them Jesus. God speaks again to a young boy named Samuel. Again, I just picked verse. I just picked verses. I didn't care. I just picked verses, right? There are hundreds of verses about God speaking. There's a young boy, Samuel. He's living at the temple with a, a priest named Eli. Samuel lays down at night one time to sleep in the temple, and he hears a voice calling to him, Samuel, Samuel. And so he gets up, and he runs back to Eli because he thinks it's Eli calling him. And it's not Eli. Eli says, go back and sleep. And he hears this voice again, Samuel, Samuel, goes to Eli. Here I am. What do you want? He's like, I didn't call you. And this goes on and on. And then we pick this story up in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 8. The Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And then Eli, the priest, perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went to lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood again, calling out, just as other times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. And this is, I just added this verse 11. This is kind of fun. This is weird and crazy. I love it. It says, uh, then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do something in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. What does that mean? I don't know, but it sounds awesome. And I want to be a part of that. I want to hear that. What is, what is God saying to Samuel, the child that would cause every ear who hears it to tingle? Did you know God speaks to children? I mentioned earlier, we don't give a Nick Jr. or McKid's version of God and the Holy Spirit to our children next door. Did you know that? Because they can understand the things of God. Did you know God speaks to children? And did you know those same children speak to us the words of God sometimes? And what do we do with it? We dismiss it. Oh, you toddler. Be gone with you. We sometimes don't listen to them. 
True story, I shared this with the first service, so it'd be remiss if I didn't tell you this story as well. As I'm driving home from Springfield yesterday, worshiping the Lord with my pumpkin spice latte, I called my daughter, my oldest daughter, who is at home. She's 16, it's legal. And so we, <laughs> we left her at home by herself. Um, so I'm checking in on her, and, and I say, hey, babe, how are things going? We've been gone all day, you know, you getting some chores done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. She's like, hey, Dad, by the way, Wally, do you guys know who Wally is? Wally's my dog. He's an idiot, just for the record. <laughs> and I don't, I don't care for him much. I got to be honest with you. I'm, just, I'm a pastor in a church. I got to be truthful with you. I don't care for him much. I mean, I like him, but he's, he gets on my nerves a lot. And he's been sick lately. He's battling something. I don't know what's going on. Um, it might be my prayers that he not be with us on the earth much longer. <laughs> I said that. <laughs> In fact, this is a true story. I prayed today that somebody would offer to take him away from us. All right, anyway, so okay. <laughs> I was a vegetarian for 22 years. I'm a better animal lover than most of you, so ugh, take that. <laughs> I didn't even eat them for a while. Anyways, moving on. So Wally... My favorite dog in the whole world is sick. And Riley tells me, Dad, um, Wally got sick all in the kitchen. And I said, that's okay, babe. But I'm on my way home now. If you could have that cleaned up before I get home, <laughs> that would be awesome. That'd be okay. And she goes, oh, no, Dad. I've, I've never seen something like this come out of an animal before. And I, I just began to yell. I mean, literally, I'm, I'm, I set my pumpkin spice latte down, and I'm yelling through the phone, did you walk him? Did you this? I'm going on and on and going. I'm just literally, I'm so frustrated. I'm just, I'm over it. And my daughter, who's 16 and bold, yells back at me. And she says these words. She's like, Jeff, stop yelling at me. She calls me Jeff. It's strange. I know. <laughs> I know. I know it's weird, but it's kind of our thing, and I'm okay with it. And she says, Jeff, stop yelling at me. She's like, I didn't, I didn't do this. He did this. And in this moment, God uses the prophetic voice of a 16-year-old girl at home to say something to me. And God says this, Jeff, you're stressed out, man. You're yelling at your daughter who had nothing to do with this dog getting sick. And you blame it on the dog being sick that you're really frustrated. He goes, Jeff, there's something really stressing you out in your life. I really want to deal with it, he says. See, God speaks to children, and children speak the words that God speaks to us, too. I prayed with Joe this morning. There is, I will let you in on something that I did not let the other services in. There is something happening at this church. I don't know how to explain it, and I do not mean for the good. There's a real pressure and a stress that the staff has been enduring for the past many months. In fact, it's gone so far that Joe and I, along with Pastor Jack, we're beginning to realize that this is actually a spiritual thing that's taking place. This is not just mere life situations taking place, but we believe that there is a spiritual issue at work here in the church. And it took some time to understand that. My daughter helped me see that as well. 
that there's something at work that's really stressing you out. And until I go before the Lord to seek that, I'm going to carry it with me for the next day and the next day and the next day. See, God would speak to us that we might be free from that which he wants us to be free from. God speaks to his people. We fast forward out of the Old Testament into the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It's Jesus is become an adult. He's 30-some years old. He's walking through the desert. He sees a man called John the Baptizer. Maybe you've heard this story. John the Baptizer has been baptizing people out in the Jordan River, baptizing them into repentance of sin, to return back to God. Jesus walks by, sees John the Baptizer, says, hey, bro, why don't you baptize me too? John freaks out and says, I can't do that. You're the son of God. And Jesus says, no, you must baptize me. So they have this argument. After the argument, verse 16, it says, at the end of verse 15, it says that he finally consented. So John the Baptist says, whatever, you win, Jesus, <laughs> right? And Jesus was baptized. Immediately he goes up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened. He sees the spirit of God descending upon him like a dove. And behold, verse 17, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, I'm glad I chose this passage because this is one of my favorite things to point to this reality, that in the Bible, we do not read the word Trinity. So when people talk about the theological idea of, of the Trinity, the triune picture of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, have you heard of this? We don't read Trinity in the Bible, but we see passages like this that speak of the triune nature of God. We see Jesus, number one, going down into the water. Coming up, number two, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, lands on his shoulder, ding, ding, there's two guys right there. And then all of a sudden, the heavens opened and a voice for all to hear speaks. God the Father speaks, all three persons of the Trinity right there. And what he says about his son Jesus, he says, this is the one that I've sent and whom I am well pleased. He is pleased to do the will of God the Father. So we could go on and on and on and know this, that all of these passages in the scripture will say something similarly. And so over time, we begin to build a systematic theology that God speaks, yes? And he doesn't just speak to his people, he speaks to his creation. He's actively involved in what he's speaking to. He speaks to different people, he speaks different things, and he speaks in many different ways. A bush is on fire, the heavens open, I mean, strange things. I have a friend of mine who says that God speaks to him in shooting stars. And I went, and we're friends? That's weird. But he says, Jeff, it's like, it's a way that God communicates to me. Every battle in my life where I have a spiritual battle going on and I just feel God is saying to me, it's going to be okay. It will be fine. Just hold on for another moment. Jesus has come to save you on and on. He goes, I'm not kidding you. Every time that happens in my life, I see a shooting star go across my car or across my yard, or whatever. And for him, it makes sense. God speaks to us in many ways. We just need to listen to him. How do you know if what you're hearing is from God or not? I mean, because I think that's the big thing, especially for young Christians learning to toddle their way through Christian faith, Yes. Is this God speaking to me? A friend of mine recently said, Jeff, I had a workplace accident the other day. Like some crazy thing. Someone could have died. And he's like, do you think God was talking to me? And I went, uh, maybe. I mean, God didn't cause the accident. You know that, right? 
But after this accident, this friend of mine who's just recently become a Christian, he's thinking about this, and he goes, I think God spoke to me in that. And I said, okay, what did he say? And he said these words. He goes, I think God was telling me that life is brief. And I went, ooh, do you think that was God? And I said, "Mm mm-hmm. Oh, very much so. Because James, the brother of Jesus, said something very similar, that life is but a vapor, here one minute, gone the next. You just had a life-altering accident at work where you could have lost your life or someone else could have, and God comes alongside you and says, hey, life's brief, bro. You, you, you don't think that's from God? I absolutely think that's from God. So when we hear these things from God, we have to make sure it doesn't contradict what Scripture has already said about God. If there's ever a person in your life that comes to you and says, hey, bro, I really think God is asking me to leave my wife and marry my secretary, you could go, no, he's not. That's not the voice of God. That's the voice of something else. (laughs) That is not God's voice. He won't contradict himself. And we learn the nature of who God is. The Holy Spirit who indwells in us, he speaks to our conscience. There are just things that, that the Bible doesn't specifically forbid. It doesn't say you cannot do that. And there are lots of stuff in the Bible and lots of stuff not in the Bible that we get to play around with, right? But there are sometimes God says, not for you anymore. There are some things that your Christian brothers and sisters do because the Holy Spirit has not convinced them that it's bad for them. But for you, it's not good for you. And so the Holy Spirit who is inside of us will speak to us in that voice that we understand. God will speak to us oftentimes through nature and his creation, yes? Don't believe me? Get up earlier, watch a sunrise. Or for the millennials in the room, sunset. (laughs) That's going to murder at the 6, I'm just saying. (laughs) I mean, they come to the 6 p.m. because they don't want to get up in the morning. Let me ask you this. The thing that God's talking to you about, is it drawing you closer to him? Is it drawing you closer to where he is? Or or maybe is it pulling you away from something that's not good? Because if that is happening, then I would say, yes, that's the voice of God speaking to you, drawing you closer to where he is and pulling you out of something that he doesn't want for you. And so I want to pray for us. I'm closing at this point here. I want to pray for us that, that we hear the voice of God. We have a theology. You helped me build it today. God speaks, yes? He's, and he speaks in crazy ways to some people, and he speaks different things to different people, but he speaks. That last Thursday when I was here with a band, um, one of the band members said, Jeff, sometimes I wonder if it's not so much that we don't hear God It's just that we don't listen to him. I went, oh, that's really good. That's really good. It's not that we don't hear from him. It's just that we don't listen to him. Listen. You know, it's like, it's it's like parents when we speak to our children and we know what's best. I know he's the cutest boy in school. I know he gives you attention. Wow. (laughs) But he's not good. I say it over and over and over. I'm like, just listen to me. I know. I know. 
they hear it, they just don't listen to it. God speaks to us. He uses other people in the room to speak to us. Just this morning, between services, a friend of mine is walking out. She just graduated nursing school. She's a nurse now. Congratulations, right? And she says these words to me, Jeff, I said, how are things going? And she says, Jeff, I haven't killed anyone yet. I said, well done. (laughs) Well done. That's awesome. And I said, and I know that's kind of scary because there's like some real things that you could screw up, right? 0.5 milligrams versus 50 milligrams could kill someone. I'm just saying. And as I said that, and she starts laughing, she's like, you know, I'm not even a detailed person. I'm like, I wouldn't lead with that when you walk into a room. Like, hey, I'm your nurse, and I don't really pay attention to decimal points. Like, don't lead with that. In fact, she even said this. I just had some conversations with some friends of mine who who questioned why I became a nurse. Like, because you don't care about the details, they said. And I I just said this, just like this. It's because you're going to be a supervisor one day. And she goes, did they talk to you? I'm like... What do you mean? She's like, my two friends have said that to me this past week, that I'm going to be a supervisor at some point. And I just said it. We're passing each other. Hey, have a great week. See you next week. I said that. And in a moment, it became a holy moment. And I said, do you think God's talking to you right now? Right now. And I didn't have to do any crazy weirdness. Didn't break out my tambourine. None of this, which I do have a tambourine. I'm bringing it out. It's just God talking. Ah. God, would you help us? Let's pray. Would you help us to hear your voice today, God? We know that you're a talking God, that you are speaking to us, God, but we want to hear your voice. We want to listen to you today. God, thank you for this church called Renaissance where we can come together and encourage one another into the things of God. Thank you for your scriptures to educate us, to teach us, to guide us and lead us, to reveal to us who you are. Thank you for Jesus and your Holy Spirit. God, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them.